Welcome to the Burnout Recovery Podcast, a guiding resource dedicated to healthcare professionals on their journey to overcoming burnout. Spearheaded by Dr. Joe Braid, a certified professional coach and rehabilitation physician. This podcast offers practical strategies through expert interviews and personal resilience stories, providing invaluable tools for navigating professional challenges while prioritizing well-being. Regardless of your role in healthcare, this podcast acknowledges the toll of your work on your overall health and is committed to supporting your recovery from burnout and fostering a fulfilling, sustainable career. So, if you're ready to begin a transformative journey, join us for each new episode. Together, we'll navigate challenges, celebrate successes, and build a supportive community of healthcare professionals. Hello and welcome back to the Burnout Recovery Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Joe Braid, and it is my pleasure to be bringing another podcast episode to you today. Today, I'm going to talk about the barriers to overcoming burnout in healthcare professionals. I'm going to go through a brief overview of burnout in healthcare professionals, talk about why it's really important to address this and give some inspiring quotes and some strategies that you might be able to use both on an individual and a team level and an organizational level as well. This episode is airing at the end of January 2024, and it might be just really timely for you to think about what could be a barrier that you notice in yourself in addressing burnout. Because I know a lot of people last year finished the year with a very hectic pace to life. There was a lot going on. They felt absolutely exhausted even by early, mid-November, let alone uh, the last month of the year. And if you want to do something differently and not have that same um, experience that you had this this at the end of this year, 2024, maybe some of the tools and the tips and the techniques that I'm sharing with you today may help. So let's start off by just reviewing what burnout is and its prevalence in the healthcare industry. So we've got the International Classification of Diseases and the 11th revision of that described burnout as an occupational phenomenon rather than a medical condition. It's described as a syndrome conceptualized as resulting from chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed. The three dimensions that it characterized are feelings of energy depletion or exhaustion. The most common one, the one that I most often see in healthcare providers that I work with. Increased mental distance from one's job with feelings of negativism or cynicism related to one's job. And these are some of the symptoms that the individual feels and the patient can also see when they are attending for an appointment or they're in the hospital system. And thirdly, reduce professional efficacy. So this means you are less um, effective, less productive uh, than you used to be in the workplace. It's sort of a slowed down version of um, getting through the tasks that um, you, you need to do as part of your job. So the prevalence of burnout in Australia is over 60%. So uh, it's high and many people will experience burnout not just once in their career, but can often be multiple times if uh, the contributors are not addressed. The highest risk is in women and in young doctors, and it is more commonly seen in the specialties of um, emergency department and psychiatry. That's what the research certainly shows. We know that 
burnout contributors include 80% from the organization or the workplace and about 20% from the individual. And on this podcast, I do cover both, but I more tend to work on what is in the control of the individual, sort of that 20% that they can address themselves. Let's run through some of those common burnout symptoms and signs, just a refresher for you. I do talk about this on other podcast episodes, but if you've only just found my podcast now, welcome. Great to have you here. Here are some of the more common burnout signs and symptoms you might notice. So physical symptoms include headaches, gut issues, fatigue, frequent illnesses, and a change in appetite or a change in sleep. Emotionally, People might describe feelings of helplessness, a sense of failure, self-doubt, decreased satisfaction, and feeling quite detached. And behaviorally and the impact on the healthcare provider is what you, you might notice in a colleague who might be going through burnout is reduced performance, withdrawal. So they might have been a very animated, um, integral part of the team who would contribute a lot and they're just not so vocal or they're not showing up for meetings. Procrastination, this is where this can tie in with that reduced professional efficacy because it just takes longer to get started with things. And you might notice some outbursts and sort of flipping the lid in the workplace or out of the workplace as well, sort of irritability with those close to you. So then what's the impact on patient care? Well, the patients can be less engaged and they might not be adhering to the treatment recommendations that are given by the healthcare provider. A study showed that nurse burnout correlated with patient satisfaction. So if that's something that is um, monitored in your workplace, um, those, those scores can change when staff are suffering from burnout. And what's the impact on the system? Well, we know in Australia across all different um, enterprises and not just in healthcare, all different businesses across Australia, the cost of burnout annually is over 14 billion. And that data is a few years old. And I would question that it might be a higher figure by now. You lose staff, people quit, people um, don't see uh, a solution sort of within the workplace to sustain themselves and keep going in the workplace. Um, and then there's presenteeism, which is showing up to work, but just not really getting on with the job um, as is expected of you in that role. Okay, so that's the brief overview on burnout. Uh, now let's go through some of the barriers that you might have to burnout recovery. So there can be real stigma around this. And I, you know, I've certainly heard people say we're not allowed to say that word at work or people shrug it off if we say that word at work. And um, yeah, there certainly can be stigma around um, mental health awareness, um, emotional well-being, emotional health, and so forth in the healthcare industry. There can be fear of professional consequences for seeking help um, or taking time off, and I'm going to talk about that a bit more. Um, there's this concept of medical professional silence, so that's um, something that I've already discussed earlier in the podcast in November 2023, when I had a guest on by the name of Victoria Lister. Victoria is researching into medical professional silence and um, through qualitative analysis is finding some um, interesting outcomes of 
where particularly junior staff, so people earlier in their training program will not speak up when they're concerned about something in the workplace or need some help themselves as well. So let's see if, so that can certainly be a contributor to um, a barrier to burnout recovery. What about exhaustion? It is so normalized. How are you going? I'm so tired. I'm exhausted. You know, it's really normalized, sometimes seen as a badge of honor that you're so tired because you've been doing so much um, at work. And when that is seen as a normal part of the job, that can really hinder the recognition and the intervention needed uh, to address burnout in an individual. What about if you're not if your values are not aligned with those like sort of in the workplace or what you see happening um, day to day at work, you can feel really disconnected from your own values, from your own sort of purpose in life. And that can certainly contribute to burnout in somebody, you know, you're spending loads of hours in the workplace and one of your highest values is um, family and having time with your kids and you know, the roster you've got or the shortage of staff means that you're asked to do extra shifts. And before you know it, you've worked three out of the four weekends in the month and you just haven't had time to catch up with your family. And how about the organizational culture and the work environment? They can certainly also um, contribute to burnout and they can be a barrier to burnout as well. Uh, I like quotes by Simon Sinek, and here's one that I just saw recently. Great companies don't hire skilled people and motivate them. Great companies hire motivated people and inspire them. And, you know, from going through med school and training schemes and so forth, I can I can see that there can be really high levels of that innate motivation uh, in the individuals, and they show up all bright and bushy-tailed and keen to get started. And that work environment that the individual is in can really impact um, sort of how sustainable that motivation is and whether it drifts away and um, people are uninspired or they're in a really great engaged team um, who you know, value their staff and really recognize them and appreciate them on a regular basis. Okay. Let's talk a bit about some of the personal barriers to burnout recovery. I've just got three that I want to share with you. Firstly, the pressure to be superheroes and the reluctance to show vulnerability. I've seen this. Um, I think it's sort of part of our training program that we have, the masks that we wear when we're in the workplace and that maybe we wear when we're out of the workplace as well. I've talked about identity in medicine before and that we may mask up metaphorically and not take that mask off um, at, at any time. We may just keep that mask on. And what does that mask do? It sort of stops us from maybe naming our feelings, understanding our emotions, everything's okay, nothing to see here. And and that might be um, sort of a conditioning that we've had from sort of the clinical years that we have at the end of medical school through to some of our early years in our training and beyond. It can be really difficult to prioritize our self-care amidst our demanding schedules. Or that might be what we think. You know, we're prioritizing other people before we're taking care of ourselves. How can we flip that around and just ensure that every healthcare provider 
takes care of themselves so they're in their best best health and fitness uh, when they show up to work. I encourage you to listen out um, on next week's podcast. I've got Dr. Roger Sexton coming on and he really talks about healthcare provider well-being. And thirdly, the guilt that can be associated with taking time off. I remember doing a presentation and one individual there who's very specialized in her role in the hospital said, you know, I don't want to take time off because nobody else does my workload if I'm away and it just piles up. I go away for two weeks and there's so much more to do when I get back. So how can you ask for support so you can take the time off and and the workload gets addressed when you're away? Is it um, like shared load with others that are at the workplace? Is there a locum provided or... Um, yeah, is there another solution that can happen so that you don't come back um, from a revitalizing hospital uh, holiday to sort of feel exhausted by the load of work that's waiting for you when you get back? Okay, so then um, if we think about some of the cultural and organizational factors that can also be barriers to burnout recovery, we know that the role of leadership in um in teams can either contribute to or lessen the load of burnout over the next two years. Research shows that having great managers decreases the amount of burnout in specific clinical teams. What are the strategies that can prioritize open communication and mental health support in your workplace as well? And how are there policies that can prioritize employee well-being? So, I've got quite a few ideas here. I've talked about these on other podcasts as well, including last week's podcast around belonging. So you might have an appreciation wall with like post-it notes stuck all over there. You might have team planning days, which could enjoy, could include a bit of well-being such as um, 10 pin bowling or um, some games, maybe outdoors. How about staff recognition? I often start my talks with staff recognition when I'm presenting to a team and uh, it's a really great moment of about 10 to 15 minutes exercise of one staff member uh, recognizing a great skill set that that individual brings to the workplace and it goes all around the room, often tears involved. And I have also interviewed Dr. Cheryl Martin recently around the changes to the College of Emergency Medicine training program here in Australia with pauses in the registrar training program for well-being. So this is great. This is a policy that is really prioritizing uh, trainee well-being. And finally, you could be monitoring your own well-being with the well-being index. So this is something you might want to search up and do a monthly check-in with the app. So it's um, independent of your hospital provider. And um, you can check in how you're going every month. Then if we're looking at systemic changes as well, I mean, we need to look at the workload issues and how can we improve staffing ratios as well, because that can be such a big contributor in an organization when there just aren't enough uh, staff and the staffing ratios are too tight. How about the role of education and training in prevention and addressing burnout? Well, look, this is exactly why I do this podcast here. I want it to be a source of information for you that you could share with somebody else in your workplace or outside of your workplace. There's lots of different approaches and parts of 
burnout, particularly in the healthcare workforce that I address in this podcast. And we are now closing in on episode number 70, which is really exciting. So there's a lot that you can um, check out. And how can we develop some innovative solutions and technologies to streamline administrative tasks? This is often a bugbear of clinicians that I work with doing the paperwork, doing the electronic medical record. Um, So how can we be streamlining that? And I know there are lots of exciting um, projects around that going on at the moment. Finally, let's think about how we can break the stigma around talking about uh, what's going on for you, um, how you're feeling about a patient case or a certain scenario that's come up. I think it's great to encourage open conversations around mental health in healthcare settings. And I'm delighted to share that I'm part of the Schwartz Rounds pilot at Bathurst Health Service. You may be aware of the Schwartz Rounds. They are a grand round style of event that focuses on a case or a theme related to the emotional impact of patient care that care team members experience. So really taking the mask off, talking about what you felt, what emotions you noticed when um, different team members were part of um, a case or particularly around a topic or a theme. Another way to break the stigma is to start sharing success stories of individuals who have overcome burnout. Um, I've got testimonials on my website at drjoebraid.com and I have a podcast episode with a client who moved from rock bottom to loving her personal and professional life again. Sunday Dread is Gone is the title and that was February last year, 2023. And then thirdly, to promote the idea that seeking help is a sign of strength and not weakness. Um, I think support is one of the pillars of burnout recovery. And um, when we can even start speaking about what is going on with one person who we trust, who we feel able to share this with, that is starting um, change for you and a beginning to overcoming burnout. So here's the recap of some of the key barriers to burnout recovery in healthcare professionals. Asking for help, seeing um, it as a weakness or having stigma around burnout, medical professional silence, exhaustion being normalized and not feeling aligned with your values in the workplace. We really need to take a multifaceted approach involving the individuals. Remember, burnout contributors are from about 20% from the individual and 80% from the organization and systemic changes as well. I share this work with you because I think we can have healthier clinicians, healthier workplaces and healthier communities. And I'd love to hear how this podcast might be impacting you and those around you as well. Because when one person changes, we can have a ripple effect around all of us. Thank you so much for listening today. I'll be back in your ears again next week. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Burnout Recovery Podcast. If there's someone in your world who would also benefit from this, please share it with them. Remember, you are not alone and there is hope for a brighter, more fulfilling future. Let's continue this journey together one episode at a time. For more resources, including how to move from dread to delight, head to drjoebraid.com.